Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I want to remind you that you only have until June 8th to pre-order your Goddess Edition journal deck and our 150-page companion journal. You can also get both in a bundle for just $45. That is a mega deal over here, guys. The JD Goddess Edition deck will help you embody and unlock your feminine radiance through writing prompts that relate to all three, excuse me, things, moon phases, goddess archetypes, feminine leadership, kundalini yoga, the menstrual cycle, and so much more. These cards are just as much journal prompts as they are a learning experience. And our stunning journal from the artist Jessica Young has her signature watercolor technique with gold foil and hues of our signature colors, seafoam green and purple, filled with pages that have a dedicated spot at the top of each page to write in your journal prompt of the day to see everything nice and organized and feeling beautiful. The Goddess Edition Deck Plus Journal Bundle is our current best seller, and I can't wait for you guys to see it all in person and hold it in your hands. You can click the link in the show notes or go to thejournaldeck.com forward slash shop. Now, on to the show. Hey, JD Tribe, and welcome back to another episode of the Self-Care Spotlight, where it's not just about bubble baths and massages, but getting to the heart of what it really means to live your best life against the backdrop of everyday life. I interview inspiring and authentic women who are just as likely to meditate as they are to curse, but they are committed to practicing self-care and living their truth. And we're sharing that collective wisdom with you. I'm your host and founder, Alyssa Cousins, and today we have Connie Chapman. Connie is a life coach, speaker, and writer, empowering big dreamers and soul seekers to discover a new way of living and create lives they love from the inside out. Through her international one-on-one coaching practice, she has spent the past five years personally guiding hundreds of women and men to break free of their limitations and unlock their true potential. Connie is the creator of the transformative course, Slow Down and Tune In, and she is the host of the top-ranking podcast, Awaken Radio, where she shares inspiring and heartfelt conversations that reach thousands of listeners from across the globe. Connie's work is all about reconnecting with your heart and your inner wisdom, embodying more love, peace, and freedom, creating a mindset that empowers you, and learning to truly accept and value yourself. And with that, welcome Connie to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, thank you. Thank you for being on. As I told you um, before we hit record, you are officially our first Australian guest, and I'm excited. Awesome. <laughs> I'm excited about 
about that as well for your um your audience to get to listen to my Australian accent for the next hour. Yes, 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 yes. I yeah, like I told you, I was probably weirdly excited to have someone on that has a different sounding voice that's so different from what I'm used to in my everyday and what the listeners are used to hearing, which is just an American accent. So this is cool for me and just to know that it's Monday for you and right now it's a Sunday night for me and I think that's so cool that we can connect and social media might have its downfalls in a lot of ways but the fact that it can still connect people in this way because I found you through Instagram I love that about social media and I will always love that about social media. I absolutely agree with you and I just love it about the online world of business and these communities that we're a part of where we're connected with everyone now through the internet and through social media. So I'm really thrilled I get to chat to you as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I actually, this just I just thought of this. I was looking through, um, you know, before we got on the call, I was looking back through your Instagram and things and I saw that literally you just posted about, you said, oh, you know, I've been a little quiet lately on social media and do you want to why is that why have you been quiet well there's a couple of reasons I mean first of all I actually have been mindfully working on changing my relationship with social media because Mm. I think there can you can feel a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. to first of all be showing up there quite consistently and uh, it's very addictive as well. You know, mm-hmm. and I sort of have found myself getting really caught in it. And the place I've come to with my Instagram account particularly is I want to be on there when I'm really feeling it, when I feel like there's something I really want to share, something that is moving through me, something, there's a message, there's there's something that I really feel inspired to share versus like, oh, I haven't posted in a couple of days. I should find something to post. And there's so much content out there and there's so much noise that I just want to be really conscious with it. So I'm not just filling my grid or filling the space for the sake of it, but that I'm actually really adding valuable content when I am sharing. That's one part of it. And the second part is just, I mean, what I shared in the post there Mm -hmm. was this very kind of internal process I've been moving through. I sort of feel over the past month or two within myself and we go through phases on, on our personal growth journey where sometimes we're really in the action phase and we're making stuff happen. And other times we're kind of in the inner work internal phase. And that's where I'm at. I feel like a lot is changing within me. I'm reassessing a lot of things. I'm doing a lot of big inner work. And I guess I've just felt quite vulnerable and quite raw around that. And that desire to share hasn't been there. So mm-hmm. I've just had to honor that while I've been in my process. And I, you know, I tune into my guidance every day. And I said to my guidance, you know, I feel like it's time to post, just move through me when we're ready to share something. Mm-hmm. And then the other day, I just got that feeling. And I was like, all right, let's go back and share something. So that's kind of where I'm at around my Instagram and how I'm actually trying to manage all of my social media and my business ultimately as well. I really do understand that. I really do. Especially running an online business that need to be like, do I have to be on here all the time, sharing all the time, saying something inspirational all the time? And sometimes you just need, like you said, you need to turn in and take a moment for yourself. And then 
you know, the inspiration will flow through and eventually it will make its way out, but you have to kind of go in to find that. And, um, I like that approach. It sounds like it's such a, it's a more intuitive approach to social media. When I feel that there's something that really needs to be said, I will listen to that voice that's saying this needs to come out and then I'll share it rather than just sharing for the sake of sharing. Yeah, and I think it's also about authenticity as well. Mm -hmm. It's definitely the intuition piece, but it's authenticity because I guess what I was feeling was so like raw in this process that I wasn't ready to talk about. And I thought, oh, well, I could put a post on Instagram that would show that nothing's, you know, going on and I'm happy and everything's great. But I'm like, no, the authenticity of this for me is is honor your personal process and when you're ready, talk to people about it and say, hey, this is why I've been absent. And I, I think people are really craving that transparency on social mm-hmm. media. We don't want to see you just posting pretty photos because you can. We want to know what's really going on for you. And if that means you're silent for a little bit, well, we're trusting that something's going on for you and you're going to talk about it when you're ready. Mm-hmm. And that's real, you know, and I, I, I really endeavor to be as authentic as I can in my work and I know my audience responds really well to that as well. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. I'm always like, I want to be transparent. I want to be authentic. I don't want to put on any kind of facade. I really like people respond to real people like real. Well, you're relatable then, aren't you? Because everyone has good days and bad days. Everyone has times when they're feeling really confident and other times where they're questioning themselves completely. And when all we see online is someone always happy and positive or um, where things are going well, then, then your audience can feel like, oh, well, there's something wrong with me then if I'm having a bad day. Like that person never seems to have bad days. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like the realness of being able to talk about the whole spectrum of celebrating our successes and, and when things are going well versus being honest about when things are challenging us. And then your audience feel like, oh, this woman is the same as me. And therefore what she's sharing around how she's working through it is something that I can apply. And that will work for me too because – you know, I don't want to be someone that people have on a pedestal and I don't want to be this guru or mentor that people look Mm. up to as as being unattainable. I'm just a real woman walking the journey with you and I'm going to share with you what I'm doing. And and I yeah, I think people are really craving that and, and needing that type of support rather than, um, you know, we go on social media and we just get triggered all the time because everyone seems so perfect and we seem like such a mess. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that you said about putting people on a pedestal as well. That is such a, I think it's such a, it's such like a hole to fall down when we do that. When Especially when we look up to people and there's nothing wrong inherently with looking up to people and being inspired by people and admiring people. I admire people, but I catch myself sometimes doing exactly what you just said, which is when you get in the comparison and then you're like, putting people that you admire on a pedestal thinking that somehow they are vastly different and better than you and right do you know what I mean do you do that absolutely oh no I still do that yeah I definitely still do that and I think there's this balance between you know those people are aspirational and inspiring for us right because they are an example of what's possible. And we, we need people who are a bit ahead mm-hmm. of us. We want to be able to look up to them. Right. But, but 
yeah, I, you know, I get, I still get triggered all the time when, um, you know, if I'm not feeling 100% and I go online and it seems like all someone is experiencing is great and perfect things and it can leave us and a lot of people feel this with social media, just feeling you know, that small kind of like shrinking feeling within you, mm-hmm. like what's wrong with me? Right. Like I'm never, I'm, I'm never going to be the person I want to be and this person is so much better than me. Um, and that's, that's that pedestal thing is when we look at all what this person has and think in our mind, they, they're better than me. They have things that I don't have. They're so beautiful. They're so perfect. Um, and that causes us to then give up on what we want, on what's important to us. And the challenge there is, okay, how do I be inspired by that person while still walking my own path, knowing it's completely mm-hmm. different to them? So part of it is our responsibility. We can't just say to, you know, the person we have on the pedestal that it's their fault. Um, we need to look at, well, wh- where am I now questioning myself because of this picture I've painted of this other person? But as, as leaders and guides and teachers for others, um, I think we have a responsibility to show all aspects of things because um, it, it, it's actually more supportive for the people who are following us. Right. So talking about bad days because we all have them and nothing life mm-hmm. is not perfect you know i was reading of course you know doing my you know looking through your website and doing my due diligence right and i was reading your more about your story and wanting to know more and there is this passage that you wrote and i just want to take a moment to like read this here and then get some feedback from you on it you wrote when i was 27 i reached a rock bottom breaking point I had been immersing myself in personal growth work for eight years, and I was still totally stuck. Despite reading every book I could find, attending Buddhist retreats, walking on hot coals with Tony Robbins, and using every tool I could find, I was still living ruled by fear and limitation. To me, this sounds like a lot of women that I've talked to, like, They're doing all of the, you know, they're doing the self-help work, quote unquote, the self-help work, the personal growth work, and yet they still feel like they're spinning their wheels in the mud. So what finally changed for you to be able to move past that fear and limitation? Mm, there was a couple of things that went on around that period of time when I was about 27, 28. Uh, one of them was that I began working with a life coach. So I actually got some personalized support. And as much as, you know, the books and the programs and everything is fantastic, but sometimes you do need that person that can really help you specifically apply it to your own life and situation. And she also, with her support, she, she took me deeper. So actually really looking at applying what I was learning and making changes and taking action because I think we can think we're creating change because we're reading things or going to seminars, but there's a big difference between actually acting differently and taking the steps outside mm-hmm. of your comfort zone and really stretching yourself. So she helped me with that, with actually digging deeper into the areas of inner work that I was kind of skimming over and also really starting to take some steps forward. And around the same time, 
I was just also just dropping deeper into myself in that I around then stopped running from myself. I'd spent a lot of years distracting through external change and always um, I think when I first read Tony Robbins I thought then the purpose of life was just to create an amazing life so I was like great I'll just go like get all the stuff on the outside that looks amazing and that's me being empowered Mm -hmm. and I realized like empowerment is like no it's the willingness to look in and you create change inside of you first and then the external changes ripple from there so around this time was when I, I began really sitting with myself, like really sitting. I'd get home from work because I had a day job then and I would just sit in my room with some candles and on my yoga mat and sometimes I'd be meditating, sometimes I'd just be breathing into my body, sometimes I'd have my journal writing about what I was feeling, but I was actually slowing down, becoming still, looking within, facing myself, facing all the stuff that was going on inside of me that I've been trying to just put positive affirmations over the top of and hadn't really been facing. So I think it was this real pivot of, um, you know, when you get to that stuck point, you're like, there is obviously something still going on inside of me that is holding me back. And I have to have the courage to start to look at that and start to really do the work around what that is. And I think that's what really started to change things for me at that time. Mm. What were one of the biggest fears or limitations that you feel like you really worked through during that time of your life? One of the big, I mean, there were so many, honestly, but I just didn't believe that I was at all capable of what I desired. Mm. Um, You know, my, my heart would give me these visions and these ideas and these desires around being a life coach, setting up my own business, being like one of these people that I admired and had been studying from for so many years. And and I just fundamentally would look at myself and, and be like, that's just not possible. Like mm-hmm. you are nothing like these people. You are shy. You are introverted. You are insecure. You um, are, are nervous around people. Like I really didn't have a lot of confidence. You're not a living example of this work. You know, at the time my life wasn't perfect or anything. Um, and I, it was this real perception of myself and it was the way that I was speaking to myself, what I believed about myself as being so unworthy and not good enough and inadequate to have what it was that my heart wanted. Um, and that held me back for a very, very long time. And I, I think the, the way I began to work through that now that I'm thinking about it, it was sort of shifting my idea of what it meant to be an example of this work. Mm. I think what had held me back for so long was I looked at people like Tony Robbins or Gabrielle Bernstein was a mentor of mine at the time as well. And I was like, okay, for me to do this work, I have to be like them and I'm nothing like them (laughs) versus maybe actually all I have to do is just share me and my learnings and I'm not perfect and I'm still figuring this out, but maybe I can still be an inspiration for people, an example for people, even while I'm messy, even while I'm still really afraid and insecure and all of those things. I think that was the shift was um, the idea I had then of what it meant to, to follow my heart and do this work. And I began taking the baby steps, even though I was afraid 
Um, and that's what kind of got me a little unstuck from there. Mm, I feel that so deeply, what you just said. Like, I totally can relate to... In you know, I'm I rem, I'm this is making me think about my whole journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny when you think and you're like, wow, what was it that really changed there? Yeah, yeah, I and I, I feel like I could feel your brain like working through your yeah. own process. Um, <laughs> I get that. Like, I feel like so many women that are listening to this, they understand that, like that feeling of. And I know that because women, you know, that are in, you know, the SCC membership that I have and probably women that you work with, they say those same thoughts of, I don't feel capable of this life that I, that I, I envision it. I I can see it, but I do not feel like I am good enough or capable enough to make that happen. I hear that so much. And I remember thinking that in the beginning, like that question of who am I, who am I? And I, you know, what do you, I kind of have thoughts about that, but when you have that, you know, if you ever have that thought now, like who am I to do this? Like if you're especially about to go and do something big, what do you, what do you, how do you like to shift out of that thought of who am I? Um, for me, it's really been about coming into my heart a lot more and I teach a lot about this and I think that's what the shift really was that happened for me as well around that, that time of being being 27 and going through these big changes. So when we're really in our head, those stories are mm. so real and so powerful because when you're living in your mind and in your head, that's the only voice you have access to. And so it feels very real and it's based on a lot of facts. You can look in the mirror and you'd be like, see, I look nothing like someone who's inspiring or radiant, whatever it is. And see, I just showed up in that situation. I was a nervous mess. How would I ever do that on a bigger scale? Whatever it is. And so the mind can give you a lot of proof and evidence to validate those belief systems. And that story feels very real, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing that shifted for me was when I, started coming into my heart and I began to feel more around why do I want to do this work? Um, why does this mean so much to me? Why am I passionate about it? What is the, the struggles that I've been working through that I know so many other women are working through that if I could just help them in the tiniest of ways, that would feel so, um, I feel so fulfilled by that. And doesn't matter how successful I am I know I would just feel so good knowing I could help these other women and this heart-based energy is it's you're you're less self-conscious you're less you're less focused on am I good enough what am I doing right or wrong and more like like if you can feel the energy of your heart it's just like it's this full um loving generous energy that just wants to share whatever wisdom or knowledge or life experience you have had. And so that intention for me to just share and not to have to be right or wrong, not to have to be an expert and get it perfect and and heal the world and heal other people, but just be like, maybe I'm just going to show up and talk from the space of what I feel and what I've learned and what, um, what has impacted me. And again, it's this realness and this authenticity And I found that has helped me in so many situations where 
I've got so caught in my head around, am I good enough? Can I do this? Mm -hmm. And more just like following the impulse of the heart that is just calling me to some little step or, or it has a message moving through me or um, just feels a desire to to help someone and be of service in any way that I can. And that energy is what has begun to pull me forward. And it's what I click back into whenever my head starts to make it about me again. Right. Um, I, yeah. That's I, helped me a lot. I once heard someone say, instead of saying, who am I to do this? Think of who am I here to serve? Mm. And that helps me mm. take, mm-hmm. take it off yeah. of you put it on who are you know who am i here to serve rather than who am i to do this that helps absolutely. me absolutely and i you think back to it like along your journey and anyone would think along their journey how many times have you maybe come across an instagram post come across a blog post a video whatever it is a book and being like oh my goodness this is exactly what i need right now and i am so grateful for this person for either posting this these words or sharing this because this is like so, so comforting. We all know that feeling and that's why we do our work in the world because even if one person stumbles across what you've created and they have that feeling of, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I needed, thank you, um, then then that's what, what you're here to do, right? Absolutely. And there are billions of people on the planet and it's amazing how with the internet now how people can find you you don't even know how many people are currently landing on what you've put out into the world and are just breathing into themselves and saying, thank you so much. This is exactly what I need right now. Mm, Yes. So what do you say to people then? You know, you talk a lot about limiting beliefs and you already said the word stories, right? We tell stories in our minds that might Mm -hmm. be completely made up false what do you say to people um, or your clients that you work with? How do you begin to work through those limiting beliefs and stories when you know that the beliefs and the stories that you have, when they aren't necessarily yours, like you got them from, say, your parents or, you know, you read it somewhere when, or when you were young and it, you took it on as being true and it might not even have been your story or your limiting belief, say about your career. Like, you know, for me, I can use myself a personal example. I grew up in a very like blue collar household. Everything was very black and white. So I was raised that you made money and had a career you know, with a certain, it looked a certain way. Mm-hmm. So when I, and a lot of people I talk to will ask me, you know, well, how did you like bust out of that? Like get out of that mindset. That was so challenging for me because it was the only way I was raised. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me to do something completely different, that was challenging. So how do you work with clients or people when they have these beliefs, mindsets, stories, fears, that aren't necessarily theirs to have, that they kind of just inherited. Does that make sense? It makes 100% sense. I I can relate to that a lot. And and ultimately, all the beliefs that we have, particularly fear-based ones, are things we've learnt. It's all learnt um, information, things that we've stored in our unconscious about ourselves that we've picked up throughout our lives. So 
you know, awareness is, is the first step and it is the most important and powerful step is even beginning to be able to witness that. So like I said, when we're just in the mind, we think that one voice that we hear is the truth and it's the only voice we have access to and it's not. So the first step is to be able to be like, okay, and I often phrase it this way, I'll often say out loud, there is a voice in my head that is telling me this. So say there's a voice in my head that's telling me this is the career path I have to be on. So rather than identifying with that voice saying, I can only do this career path. It's like, okay, there's this voice in my head that's telling me this story. And okay, then we start to witness it and get curious to it. And so I like to encourage people to use journaling. I think it's a very supportive tool for witnessing the mind. And, you know, I don't believe in like trying to just suppress and push away these things. I'm like, let's first just honor them and understand them because they're at this particular point, they're very real for you. And at some point you took them on board as beliefs because they served you at some point in your life. You know, you wouldn't have believed them unless at that point in time they felt like they would have served you in some way, whether it was to get love, to get belonging, to get acceptance, to get approval, whatever it is. And so if you can use your journal to just witness and, and you know, say, for example, there's something you're wanting to achieve and you're noticing this story. It's like, okay, what is this? Let me write it out. Write out what the, the story is in your mind and maybe journal about it for a while, about all your feelings around it. And you might even then want to reflect on, like, where did I pick this up from? Who taught this to me? What was the fundamental experience I had in my life? Was it interacting with my parents? Was it when my sibling came along? Was it when I went to school? Was it what that teacher said at school? Where did I really pick this up? And, look, I'm big on the kind of healing work, so something I'll do, if this is a fundamental core belief that's coming from, particularly from childhood or from a family dynamic, I find it's helpful to go back and revisit that part of myself and do a little bit of healing with her. So say it was my four-year-old self who learned something about about who she needed to be in the world to make other people happy. Um, I'll go back and I'll sit with her in a meditation and I'll close my eyes and imagine her at that age sitting with me on my lap. And I will talk with her and get her to explain to me what she's feeling. And usually there's, there's emotion there. There's fear, there's sadness, there's pain, there's hurt, there's a feeling of being unloved, there's a feeling of being rejected, abandoned, whatever it is. And from my experience, that part of ourself never got to fully heal that emotional wound or got to process it. So I find it useful to go back and hold space for that part of myself and I work with her and I'm like, tell me what you're feeling. And I listen to her and I imagine myself giving her some beautiful guidance. You know, if I look at my four-year-old self, she's precious and divine and beautiful and Mm. I would never want her to think there's anything wrong with her. So I heal that relationship by loving her back back to wholeness, basically. You know, the little parts of her that got... Um, affected, I, I, I piece them back together so that she feels whole and good enough and loved when she's in my presence. And I might hug her and tell her what she needs to know until she feels better. And I imagine her skipping off and going about her little merry way. And I might revisit that several times if this is a big wound and really help heal her energy. So there are a couple of things to, to really unpack the story in a deeper way. Um, When it comes to then moving forward, because it's not just about that, it's also about then how do we move beyond this? Mm -hmm. It's about acknowledging that you have access to two 
different perspectives at any time, like fear or love, basically. It boils down to, you know, that fearful, limiting, critical, judgmental um, energy, or you have access to love and inner guidance and support from within you and encouragement from within you and that little voice within that says, I believe in you and I've given you this desire for a reason and you are so worthy and you are so deserving of everything that you want. Like that voice is always there. And so the conscious practice I encourage people to do is to find that voice, is to reach for that voice. And that can be as simple as, okay, I've acknowledged fear, I've acknowledged a limitation, I can see that story, but if I was to ask, what does my heart say to me about this? What is my loving inner wisdom? If I could just feel for a voice that feels a little bit more kind and supportive, what would that voice say? And when you ask it for its perspective, you will always hear it. And then you can start to free write that Mm -hmm. voice. And you write out love's perspective now. You write out this different perspective around this situation or around this belief. And suddenly you've got a very different story right there, a very different set of thoughts, a very different set of belief systems. And your work now is to unlearn fear and relearn love, is to um, keep taking your attention out of the fear when it plays, you know, uh, witnessing it but saying, no, thanks, what does my heart have to say to me? And then consciously working to retrain yourself into thinking in that more loving and empowering way about yourself. And I know that sounds like quite a big process and I've shared a lot there, but that is ultimately how I recalibrate myself at any time that these limitations come up for me. And it's, I love that. I, mm. Unlearn fear, relearn love. Mm. I love that. Yeah, because- because love is our essence. We, we know that at some level. Mm-hmm. You know when you see a baby born, right? Like they are pure love and they are so perfect and whole and nothing they could do would make you not love them. Mm-hmm. And so that is the essence we have when we're born in and it just gets covered with all these layers and layers and layers of limitation and fear and stories. And so we have to unlearn all those things that we've picked up throughout our lifetime right. and come back to that, that love essence that's inside of us. It's just that we may have lost connection with it. I really like your suggestion of if there's a certain mindset, story, limiting belief, whatever, that you know happened at a certain age in your life, I love that idea of being able to go back in through meditation and journaling to go back to that that age of yourself as a teenager, as a five-year-old, and sitting with that person with you I love that I love that I mean because then you're just looking at yourself like you said if you're looking at a five-year-old a 12-year-old a 15-year-old you feel so much compassion for them and I love that that's a really beautiful suggestion and I think the the reason as well this is powerful is because Again, it puts us back in our power of being in charge of our own healing because Mm -hmm. I, for many years, 
there was a lot of things I picked up in childhood from mum and dad and also my sister who came along who got really sick when I was four years old and that just changed everything. And for a lot of years, I was aware of these stories, but I was still being a victim to them because I was blaming my sister and I was blaming my dad and I was blaming my mom. And I thought, well, how can I possibly heal this? Because I can't change them. And for ages, I just wanted to change them. And then I thought I would feel better. Um, And it felt like they did this to me. And if they hadn't been like that, then I wouldn't be like this. And, you know, none of that is empowering. And when you recognize the way you heal is in your relationship with yourself. This is all about you and you. Because, yeah, dad might have said those things and acted that way. But you're the one that took them on board. You're the one that chose to make them true. You're the one that now, 20 years later, is still telling yourself Mm. that same story. So you have to kind of own that a little bit and be like, all right, this is about my relationship with me. And this is about the fact that I've got a part of me that took on board a very limiting belief system. And so I've got to heal that part of me. And Mm. it's not anyone else's job to do that except myself. Oh, preach, sister. Preach. Oh, my. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I feel like that can be really tough for people on one, like that might trigger some people. I think that can be a very triggering thought, right? But Mm -hmm. it can also be really empowering, you know? Yeah, and if if you get triggered, great. Right. I'm all for things getting triggered. That's great. It means there's emotion rising. And whenever emotion arises in you, get curious to that and be like, why? Is it because... I'm defending my wound. I'm defending my pattern. Now, mm. people don't want to hear that. And again, that might be triggering. Mm-hmm. And look, you, you you get to these points when you're ready. I, for a lot of years, wasn't ready to really own my wounds. And that was just my journey. And that's fine. And you work through it at whatever pace you work through it. And there's no judgment around that. But it does, you know, it does come to a point where, look, this doesn't mean that if something really bad has happened to you, traumatic, Mm -hmm. abuse, any of that stuff, does not mean it's your fault whatsoever, does not mean you're responsible for that other person's actions. You know, I look at some of the ways my mom parented me and I'm like, that was really poor mothering mom, like, come on. And that's not my responsibility that she didn't mother me the way that I really deserved, you know, Mm -hmm. but what I now do with that as an adult, is my responsibility. Whether or not I'm going to keep sitting here in anger and holding this against her because the only person that's damaging is me, mm-hmm. or whether I'm going to say, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to um, just gloss over what happened, but if I want to be free of this, maybe it's time that I did some healing work around it so that it's no longer right. controlling me. I like that. It's You're not saying... It's your fault, but instead saying, no, it's not your fault for how whatever someone did to you, you you know, they did, that was them, but you are you and you now have a choice Mm -hmm. as an adult in what you do with that. And if you take all of that on and if you take that, that story on, that victimhood on, that mindset, that belief, you have that choice and I, I like that, and that is empowering. If you let it be empowering, that's a very empowering thought. I really like that. And I obviously completely agree with you on journaling. That's mm. a given. I mean, hello, the journal deck. That's a given. I yes. I came to journaling 
through because of massive heartbreak. And that's how I was able to heal in so many ways was through journaling. Like you said, getting it out onto a piece of paper, working through the process, working through my feelings, getting clarity. That is part of the the fabric of the journal deck. Like why I even thought of the idea was because I was like, wow, this is such an amazing tool and spiritual practice. And I started doing it with, you know, so much of it with clients and like, you know, it felt like soul work. So I agree with you 100% about the journaling. How do you use journaling? I'm curious. Um, how do you use journaling in your life as a part of like your self-care routine, your rituals? What does that look like for you? Mm. You know what I love about journaling? I know you're obviously a big journaling fan too. It's like it's a tool that can grow with you and change with you as you need it to do different things. Mm-hmm. It can serve so many different purposes. Right. Um, I created a journaling guide as well, actually, and I shared about 10 processes in there that I typically use because I use my journal in a lot of different ways. Yes, I saw so, that. Example, yeah. So so even that process, that fear to love process, like that's a process that I wrote about in the journaling guide because that's a very conscious way that if I wake up and there are fear-based limiting stories and I can witness them enough to know, okay, my ego is on overdrive right now and is telling me that I am, you know, worthless and, and a failure and I can't achieve anything, whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, let's come to the journal. Let's just listen to that. Let's get it out because, you know, when you hold it in, it just makes you anxious. But that's where then I will recalibrate into that loving perspective and I'll, I'll just spend a few minutes breathing into my heart and asking love to give me a different perspective about this. So that's one way I use it as an inner work tool. Mm-hmm. I use it very much as a manifestation tool. So if there are things I'm wanting to call in and create, I'll write about them every day, like almost like writing the script of my dream life and my future. And I've been doing that very much, you know, over this period I was, we were touching on at the start about this, where I've been off social media Mm -hmm. and in my little world, really like, you know, mapping out and writing about the new things I now want to create and describing them in detail and feeling them as being real. So it can be a very um, powerful manifestation tool. I use it as a way to receive inner guidance. So Inner guidance, perceiving your intuition and your inner guidance is a its a big journey, but I'm at a point with it now where, um, and I don't want anyone to feel like pressure for it to be like this for them, but where I can literally close my eyes and I can hear my guides, my guidance communicating with me. So if I sit down, I can ask a question. I can say, what do I need to know about this? Um, give me a piece of guidance on this situation and I can just start writing and that will come. So I'm often just writing the words of my guidance to myself in my journal. Uh, I use it for intention setting as well. So every month I like to sit down and set intentions for the month. I also do new moon and full moon journaling. Mm -hmm. So at new moons I'm setting intentions. At full moons I'm writing about what I'm releasing there's so many ways that you can use it. And, you know, I've been journaling since I was like 14. So, again, I wouldn't want anyone to feel pressured to be a master of all these processes. Mm-hmm. But but it really, you know, even as a simple starting point is I like the ritual every morning of just sitting down and just checking in. That's what I think is so powerful about it. I sit down and I check in with my inner world. 
Like what's going on for me today? What's present for me today? What emotions are here? What am I feeling? What am I needing? And I think that's a really nice simple starting point is just checking in with your inner self and your inner world and writing about that. And that can be a really lovely morning ritual, which is what I I do typically do most mornings. Mm -hmm. You're so right. Journaling, it evolves with you. It changes Mm -hmm. with you with what you need at any given time. And yes, to anyone who's listening, who's thinking, my guides do not talk to me. imagining people probably thinking what is she talking about or yeah like oh no I am so not a journaler like what am I I I can't get into the habit you know if you're having those thoughts and you're listening to this yes like Connie said do not freak out what you're not you're not a bad person you're not not spiritual or Mm -hmm. you know that that doesn't mean any of that you know like she said journaling meets you where you are yeah just like meditation does, just like yoga does, all of these practices, they meet you where you are. If you just, you have to just show up is the key. If you, you have, that's your part. (laughs) You have to show up or it's never going, that process is never going to even be able to really begin if you do not at least show up to your journal, try to get some thoughts out and just see what happens, you know, and you might find you love to journal at a certain time of day. Connie said she likes the mornings. Maybe you're a nighttime person. Like, you do you. We've been talking about authenticity, right? So within your journaling practice, all of these practices, you got to do you, right? Absolutely. And there are definitely days that I wake up and I usually pull my journal out most mornings and there are some days where nothing flows and there are other days when I sit there and I look at the pages and I'm like, I don't know what to write today. And I think that's what most people, mm-hmm. their mind goes, well, I don't know what to write and this is hard and I don't want to do this. Um, but what I found is if I actually just start putting pen to paper, like I'll just rest my pen on the paper and just write whatever starts coming to mind, then the flow opens. So the fl- it's not like I wake up like, oh, and I'm in the flow to write. It's not always <laughs> like that. It's usually there's a bit of a process to get that happening. And sometimes I am just putting pen to paper, just jotting down initial thoughts and feelings as I'm waking up. But then I sort of feel the flow open. And that just comes through practice. So, you know, I mentioned in my journaling guide, just start to build the habit of it, whether you're only writing for five minutes a day. And as you get used to being in that energy, you'll find a flow will come. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want anyone, yeah, I know a lot of people feel I don't know, have interesting feelings about journaling sometimes when they just feel like I'm not a writer or I don't know how yeah. to do this. Or I hear that fun. a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, even sometimes I just doodle. You might just start putting pen to paper and just doodling little images and drawing things. And, again, that also just starts the flow. Or sometimes I'll pull, like, a little oracle card, um, you know, from an angel deck or right. an oracle deck, and that will spark a thought. And then I'll write about that. So. Hence yeah. where the journal deck came from also. There you go. <laughs> because... Beautiful <laughs> I used to do that. I would pull an Oracle card yeah. and then I would go and write about it, about what that yes. meant for me. And then I thought, poof, oh my gosh, that's like a thing. Why am I? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And the journal deck was born and you're here now. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. So, okay, let's bring this all full circle. Obviously, we've been talking Pretty much this all in the self-care realm, right? Journaling, all the things. The question I ask everyone, what does self-care mean to you? Mm. 
It means listening to me, listening to myself. And I encourage everyone to begin listening more deeply to yourself. Because when you listen to all aspects of yourself, when you listen to your pain, when you listen to your emotions, when you listen to your body, when you listen to your energy levels, when you witness and listen to your mind, you can then be aware of one, what's going on for you at any time, and two, what do you need? And they're the two self-care questions that I always come back to. How am I feeling and what do I need? And sometimes that is a moment-to-moment practice, sometimes that's going on all through my day. Connie, how are you feeling right now? What's going on? Check in. Listen to yourself. Actually pay attention to yourself. What's going on for me? And then you listen and you're like, okay, well, what do you need right now? Oh, I really need to get some fresh air. I need a drink. I need to jump on the phone with a friend. I need a bath. I need to go and journal, whatever it is. And I've just worked with so many women who they're so caught up in doing and in being for other people that they're ignoring themselves and they're not listening to their own needs. They're disconnected from their own bodies. They're not supporting themselves through their own emotions. And then we have all these expectations on other people to do that for us because we're not doing it for ourselves. Mm. And so self-care for me is deep listening to yourself, honoring whatever is present for you, and then doing whatever you need to do for yourself to support yourself through that. And ever since I've learned how to do that for myself, it's just like, oh, it's just everything is so different. I'm nourished from within and it means I can enjoy my relationships now without other people having to do that for me all the time. Oh, yes. Yes. Listening and doing it. Ah, yes. Showing up for yourself. I love that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Yeah. Like I'm not the fastest thinker. I tend to want to (laughs) sit with these things and be like, hang on, let me really think about it. But I'm going to do my best to be as as fast as possible. You'll be good. You'll be good. (laughs) Uh, Everyone says that. And I have people, they literally... (laughs) Literally, people will like freeze. Yeah, they're like, I'm I don't. Freezing right now. <laughs> they're like, I don't know. That question is so hard. <laughs> okay, let's see how we go. All right, I believe in you. Let's do this. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, in terms of self care, I could be better at meditation. Mm, yeah, that's a tricky do you one. Elaborate, or do you like just the one word answer? <laughs> if you want to elaborate, elaborate away. Um, I love meditation. I've been meditating since I was uh, 18, but I notice myself as soon as my mind gets an idea, I want, I just can jump out of the meditation. I'll be like, Oh, I need to go do this thing. And I will let myself get out (laughs) of the meditation or I will procrastinate on it for ages. But I know when I do meditate consistently, I feel so good. So that's always on my Mm intention is to get that that one. (laughs) Yeah. I feel you on that. I'm always like, when I do it, I'm like, oh, I feel so good. And then I'm like, why do I not do this like all the time? <laughs> I know, right? I know. <laughs> all right, let's see here. <clears throat> My favorite form of self-care movement or exercise is? It is it is yoga, but yoga stretching more so. So I kind of like roll out my yoga mat often in the mornings and do this kind of like more intuitive, stretchy-based it's not like I'm doing set yoga poses I'll usually have some candles lit and music going and I'm just flowing through my body you know wherever there's tight bits I'm stretching into that and I'm integrating a bit of what I know about yoga but then also just 
not needing it to be perfect. Mm. And I find whenever I do that, it really anchors me into my body. Like I feel very grounded and very embodied yeah. and very calm afterwards. So that works very, very well for me. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm a, I am a yoga instructor as well, but free flowing yoga or dancing is like my go-to. Yes. Dancing's brilliant as well. Yeah, I, I agree. It grounds me so much. Mm. Mm-hmm. That flow grounds me. I love it. Mm-hmm. And just like, just really, I often do it with my eyes closed. You just really tune into the body. And even if there's mm-hmm. tightness or a sensation, you just like stretch into it and breathe into it. And yeah, I find it really nice. Okay, let's see. This one sometimes trips people up. We'll see what mm-hmm. happens. <laughs> If I never had to do this again, it would be? Um, like my finances, like my taxes. <laughs> Can I say that? Because yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing this at the moment and all every time I sit down to do it, all I keep thinking is I'm not a numbers person. Me too. This is just not my thing. Like I should really not have to do this because when you get into running your own business, my gosh, the financial aspect is so different. You have to manage like your own tax and your own installments of payments of things and mm-hmm. your income and your expenses and we have GST in Australia and I'm now just doing this goods and services tax thing. It's crazy. Um, and do so you I have an accountant? Thinking, well, I do, but um, I see him once a year and I was starting to think about well, maybe need a bookkeeper now to actually manage things on an yeah. ongoing basis. I was thinking about all this at the moment, but you know, I sit there doing it and I'm like, this is a complete waste of my time. It is not my strength. And, you know, if I never had to do this again, I'd be a very happy girl. I'm sure there's someone else that will do this very well for me. <laughs> yes. Uh, I always say that. I'm not a numbers person. I'm not a math person. No. I never will be. <laughs> we have gifts in so many other areas besides that. Yes. I am the opposite of that brain, whatever that is. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, let's see. Favorite podcast. Or you can list like your top two or three. Well, that's so interesting. I've been listening to a lot lately, and but I just sort of skimmed through. Who am I listening to? Um, at the moment, I'm really loving Jess Lively. Mm-hmm. Um, she's doing a lot of conversations around alignment yes. and more of attraction and energy, which I'm finding fascinating. So Me I'm too. Really enjoying, yeah, cool. I'm really enjoying those conversations. And um, oh, who else am I listening to? I find myself actually hanging for her episodes each week. I've been listening uh, to her, um, the Law of Attraction episodes as well. Yeah, going back to those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I um, often just have her playing. I find it really high vibe. I really like that about her stuff. So mm-hmm. let's just for the moment say that's my current fave. Yeah, yeah, the lively show. Yeah, that's good stuff. I Alignment's one of my favorite words. Mm-hmm. It's – I just – I love the, I've always, I have like a love affair with the word alignment. I love it. Yeah. Well, she says that word a lot, so mm-hmm. I can see why you would enjoy, enjoy her show. Yeah. I'm like fascinated. I was just having a conversation with my fiance about mindset and getting into the vibe. Like I was listening to her and I was like, okay, we, it's the vibration. It's the mindset. Yes. Yes, and that's even, you know, part of my journaling practice lately has begun to really flow more so into doing alignment work and really, because I I find her so inspiring in that it feels like her whole 
purpose is about getting into alignment Mm -hmm. all the time. Like that's all she focuses on and that's all you need to do from her perspective. And so I was really like, okay, I want to focus more on using my daily morning ritual to get into like full alignment as much as possible and then be watching through my day what takes me out of alignment and then doing the work to bring myself back into alignment. Yeah. So I've been loving that stuff. Yes. So guys, the lively show. Yeah. <laughs> check it out. I yes. I, I listened to her a while back and at one particular point it wasn't landing with me, but at the moment I'm really loving it. So yeah. I know what you mean because I've listened to her in the past as well. So mm. I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay, let's see here. Um, milk chocolate, dark chocolate, or not a chocolate person? Ooh, that's interesting. Depends on my mood. Look, these days because I'm healthier, I only eat like raw cacao chocolate. Mm-hmm. But if I was to like go back to like all day Connie, like milk chocolate when it's really creamy, oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Cookout or... I'm sorry, cook or go out? I was like, what's a cookout? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say cook, particularly like for myself. I, I like knowing that what I'm eating is clean because I find when you eat out, um, there's a lot of like additives and right. flavorings and things that you just, my body doesn't react well to them. And I also love nothing more than being with someone, either a friend or a partner who I really care about and cooking together, like cooking a meal and then we sit down and eat it together. To me, that's just really romantic and special. So yeah. Yeah. I have a new love with cooking um, because my, one of my words for this year was spaciousness. Oh, nice. And I realized I was having hangups around cooking only because it was taking up a lot of brain space for me to think of recipes and go buy the groceries. So we ended up with that theme of spaciousness. I realized I could do that in the kitchen. We just got um, a subscription service so that we pick out what meals we want the ingredients get shipped to us and then we are able to not have to think about the re- finding a recipe or, you know, what ingredients we need. They're just there and then we get to cook them and I enjoy now cooking so much more. Mm. So I love that. It, I, I know, yeah. it embodied spaciousness for me in my mind. Like mentally, I got I more space and then I could enjoy cooking and now I'm loving it. Yeah, it's interesting, I guess, because I, I'm single and I live by myself, so I'm not having to cook for anyone. So when I cook, it's like this very intuitive process. My favorite thing is to have the podcast going, like I'll play a podcast while I'm cooking. And usually I just go to the fridge and I'm like, right, what can we make today? And I just like I'm throwing things in and, and most of what I eat is pretty plant-based and vegetable-based. But um, so I actually don't follow recipes. And so I find that it's almost like my self-care is – I'm going to go spend a few hours in the kitchen just, like, creating something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was chatting to one of my girlfriends who now has children, and she was saying how cooking used to be that for her, but now it's become such a chore. So I think it depends what you're at in your life. And, yeah. Um, but I love what you shared. I think that's a really helpful thing for people who feel quite burdened by cooking. Yeah, for me it was, like, I really believe in feeling the way you want to feel, and feeling spaciousness is important to me right now and I wasn't feeling spacious when I came to cooking so I thought what can I do to feel more spacious around cooking and that was my Mm -hmm. answer 
and it's working really, really well. And I I love cooking now. So Mm, I love that. Maybe I should ask that question. What should I feel more spacious around my finances or my, my bookkeeping? Maybe (laughs) it's, maybe it's the bookkeeping. I know. (laughs) And it'll clear your mental clutter. Mm, yeah, probably clear all my resistance around it as well mm-hmm. would be helpful. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Luckily, my fiance is a numbers guy. And so yeah. I have to admit that he he's an engineer and his brain just thinks in numbers. So yeah. he's been, I, oh gosh, I just, I love him so much for how much he can help me with that and get rid of my resistance around that. He's helped me with that a lot. And plus having the accountant and different things, but yeah spaciousness big big word for me love it okay let's see here last two questions favorite crystal do you have one Mm. i love crystals i have a lot that i love um i always come back to a favorite of being citrine i find it a very abundant um just beautiful stone to work with. I find it, I really like it for manifestation. I have a lot of citrine around my desk when I work. I find it, it it's quite a, like a joyous kind of stone. Like, and it's also the, the color of the second chakra, which I tend to be working on a lot, a lot of second sacral chakra stuff. So, um, yeah, citrine is a bit of a fave. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Last rapid fire question. Do you have mm. a favorite Oracle or tarot deck? The one that I'm currently loving, and I'll, hopefully I can remember the name of it, it is called the Psychic Tarot Deck. Yeah, the Psychic Tarot Deck. And I'm trying to think of the guy's name. It's John someone. I always get his surname wrong. I'm sure we'll be able to, yes, we'll be able to find it. Yes, I can it put it in the show notes. Yeah. The Psychic but, Tarot um, Deck. Yeah, I really love it because it's a blend of – the tarot but it's got a different sort of spin on some of the cards and I find the messages in the booklet really powerful and I find the imagery very um it's very detailed and beautiful as well and so I usually pick up a lot of energy from just looking at the images on the cards as well as then reading the book um for whatever reason I mean I feel drawn to different decks at different times and that one at the moment is the one I'm using almost every day perfect well Connie can you please tell everyone where can they find you on social media, your website, your podcast, all the things? Where can we find you? Yes, my website is ConnieChapman.com, so you can come find me there. Uh, my Instagram is Connie underscore Chapman, and I think, you know, these days most people are loving Instagram much more than Facebook or anything, so I love to hang out over there, and I, sh- I share a lot of my content there, so um, do come and connect with me there, and I have a podcast called Awaken Radio. And you can find out more about that show on my website. It's on iTunes and everything as well. And yeah, that's a real mix of both me sharing topics and also interviewing other people similar to what we're doing right now and loving the podcast space. I think podcasts are just such a beautiful way to share messages these days. So please come and connect with me. And I love hearing um, your experiences of conversations I've done on other people's shows. So if you find me through this show, shoot me a message and say, hi, I'd love to connect with you. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Connie. This was a really fun conversation. Oh, my pleasure. I really love chatting with you and I've loved your questions. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate that. From one podcaster <laughs> to another, I appreciate yes. that. We're both pros in this space. So that's probably why we had a good, good conversation together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes it easier. It does. Yeah, absolutely. 
We've come to the end of another insightful episode, and I want to leave you with a journal prompt. In today's conversation, Connie talked to us about one of her heart-listening journal practices. So I want to invite you to think of a story that you're seeing through fear. And then open your journal and write down what fear is telling you about this story. And then place your hands on your heart and ask it, how would love have me see this situation instead? Write your response. I also found our conversation on defending your wounds really interesting. And if this triggered you, especially if this triggered you, then I invite you to also ask yourself how you are contributing to your own suffering. What role are you playing? What mindset is leading the show? Own it to change it. This doesn't negate wrongs done to you, but it does give you the power back in your own life. All right, guys, that is a wrap. Don't forget that pre-orders close Friday, June 8th. So if you want to snag a Deck Plus Journal bundle, this will probably be the lowest price that this will ever be. So click the link in the show notes or go to thejournaldeck.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Self-Care Spotlight and be sure to share this episode with someone who needs it. Until next time, I'm Melissa Cousins, signing off for the Journal Deck. Music by Lee Rosevere.